Kamusta Katanoomers? Welcome to Tanum Tuesdays, a podcast where we talk to folks around the Philippines about their gardens, farms, food forests, and anything and everything about Tanum, which means plants. Here are your Katanoomers in this podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Jinkian. I'm Marcel. And I'm Albert. And now, on with the show. Hello, Katanoomers. Welcome to another episode of Tanum Tuesdays. This episode is very close to my heart because it's about permaculture. I interviewed Miss Bernie Kimpo and Gab Razo. They're both based in Mindanao right now, taking care of their permaculture farms. This interview with our commentaries uh, runs a bit long, so let's get right to it. Okay, so thank you again for for being here with us at Tanum Tuesdays, Bernie and Gab. Maybe we can start with uh, with a little bit of background about yourself, both of you, and then maybe you can lead us up into how you got into permaculture. Uh, who's, who starts? Who's starting? Beauty, beauty before aid. Gab, you start. <laughs> no, ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I start? Yes, you can. You can go yeah. ahead, Gab. So yes, I guess. So, uh, hi, I'm Gab. Uh, Gabriel Razo, and uh, I'm the only son of uh, my my mom and dad. Uh, growing up, I was a city boy. Never, never really had the bookie life. Uh, I grew up in Manila, and had. Uh, I, and then nag high school ako here na in Kidapawan. So uh, all throughout my childhood, I wasn't able to play in the woods. I uh, wasn't able to uh, experience nature. Na maybe some field trip lang or ano, but never really had the chance to get my hands dirty, get get, get all muddy and ano. So uh, all my life, I was a city boy, and uh, I never knew anything about, never knew much about plants. Like uh, if you ask me. Uh, what tree that was before, maybe two years ago, I wouldn't know anything about it. And uh, I didn't even know how to plant anything. I, I didn't have a, a green <laughs> thumb or no, like never knew how to plant a tree. Like uh, I was only interested in like maybe hiking or uh, like the great outdoors, like being uh, like a weekend warrior before, like we, we'd go grow up mountains or play uh, or maybe go to fields and play frisbee. So, uh, like, I never thought that I would have a, like, uh, I would be inclined towards having a lifestyle na, na ganito. So, uh, fast forward, uh, like, when I went went back here in Kidapawan after college in Cebu, uh, I... Uh, we had we had land now wasn't uh, being utilized that much like it was just a, a monocrop rubber plantation and uh, sayang opportunity to develop it so I, I looked for ways to uh, to develop it and uh, I asked my relatives their friends and they all uh, they all uh, recommended that I do chemical farming or like uh, have a sagingan or maybe uh, plant some. Uh, like make a monocrop orchard or something, but I didn't. I did my like my my heart wasn't in there. Like I didn't really 
want to it was against my principles so uh, because way back 2015 i was able to uh, uh to join the mission uh the mission uh we call it liwanag world festival that was organized by mission by Ms. Teresa Ruelas and uh, all other mission members there. And there, um, most, of the, uh, most of the participants there were permaculturists, biodynamic farmers, like different uh, farmers from different uh, places. And I, was, I, I didn't have any clue about it back then. And uh, just recently I realized that Oy, those were mga big names in the, like in the, Philippine farming uh, sector. Like I never knew anything about it before until up until now. Now that I'm involved here now, so uh, way back 2015, I learned about biodynamic farming. So uh, that's where I started. Uh, but then, biodynamic farming was kind of hard for me because I didn't know how how to prepare the inputs, and we didn't have I didn't have a mentor in the internet until I stumbled upon permaculture, like permaculture was like like the the light bulb na ni sting ni switch na with this this makes so much <laughs> sense yeah so i deep dived into it and eventually uh took a basic uh, pdc uh, by ppa in ano, in kabiokid navesia in last august 2018 and since then uh i started tr- trying to develop the farm and here we are now Wow! Wow! So, 2015 was the very first, parang introduction mo to farming with that yeah, with that yeah. event, But, and then yeah. nice. And when did you take the permaculture course? 2018. 2018. Yeah. All right. Like August 2018. And how about you, Bernie? Well, I did not grow up on a farm, but in a house with a big backyard in the town center. My father had a day job, but you know he considered farming his true vocation. You know his Bible was the Samaka Guide Homesite Farming. So this was 1954. So you can imagine that he called the entire family to help in these farming ventures. We raised vegetables, pigs, chickens. We had lots of fruit trees. We had an albolario for a neighbor who got his supply of banaba and alagaw leaves from us. We even had a tilapia fish pond. My mother, of course, was a big influence on me too because she was the quintessential gardener. You know, she collected gainvillias, mayanas, begonias, and whatnot. You know? And she was all, she really had the green thumb. You know? She could just stick um, something into a sardine can and it would grow. So she liked sharing these cuttings with the friends who dropped by. Uh, I edited the Farmer's Journal, the Farmer's Journal of the Chamber of Agriculture and Natural Resources in my early 20s. So this was at the start of martial law and Masagana 99. After a year, I left the chamber and decided to edit and publish my own magazine, Farming Today, which I did for about 15 years. So I enjoyed interviewing farmers and visiting farms, but you know, it never occurred to me to get a farm of my own. Never. <laughs> well, in the past few years, you know, when I was semi-retired, I began to take an interest again in plants when my husband and I would buy We would do our marketing in centuries in Quezon City, uh, the Sunday market. And there were just too many trees and plants and herbs and shrubs that I started buying just for my backyard garden. So I got into permaculture. Uh, my involvement with permaculture and my buying a farm have both been a matter of serendipity. 
The farm actually came before my interest in permaculture. I was having lunch with friends one day when I heard them talking about selling their orchard, the offers they were getting. I said I was interested and would like to take a look at the farm, which was an impulsive thing to do because I obviously, I obviously was too old to start a farm in a place so far from where I lived. I took a look at the farm, all 1.9 hectares of it, and I was sold. It was in the middle of the rainy season and the weeds were taller than me, but I could imagine what the place could, would look like if a crew worked on it. So I, uh, this happened in uh, 2018. I bought the farm in October 2018. And uh, nothing much was done in succeeding months because, you know, I was still living in Quezon City and I would just come here, do a bit of cleaning up, do a bit of fencing. But there was no house, no power, no water source. So I must have been a little crazy to buy it. When I was in town, I'd visit the farm with a couple of friends during the fruiting season. We did a bit of weeding, pick fruits, uh, um, lie down on the banig under a mangosteen tree, you know, just chill. So I started developing the farm uh, long distance late last year with the construction of a payag, no? small payag, which was basically just a bedroom. In January this year, we built a nursery and uh, in February, I attended a permaculture course in Kauswagan, Lanao del, Lanao del Norte with my farm buddy, Indai, which was conducted by uh, the well-known permaculture teacher, Rosemary Marrow of Australia. <clears throat> I went back to Manila after that. So I came back in March intending to stay only for a few days, but I ended up being locked down. <laughs> so I've been in Cotabato for the last seven months which may be a blessing in disguise because that is how I got to develop the farm in earnest. Added a meeting area, cum dining room, and a kitchen to the payag, which Gab has seen. Uh, it, we even constructed a crude Balinese bath. So I have to say that I would never have bought the farm if I did not have the commitment of my three farm buddies. As a septuagenarian, I don't have the same level of energy that they have. Okay, so did you... Uh, get the farm for like a retirement place, like planning, planning for you, your and Norman's retirement. You... No, I didn't. I didn't have any plans yeah. at all for the farm. This is this was <laughs> crazy. I mean, like I didn't even tell Norman I was buying a farm <laughs> because he would have shut down the idea. I was like, it's a stupid thing. So uh, I don't know. You yeah. know, you, things just happen. So uh, sometimes I I wonder why. I mean, so. Uh, I don't know, it must have been some kind of grace that, you know, made me buy the farm because, I mean, I find so much joy in it now. So, I mean, no regrets. I, I really feel blessed that, I, I, you know, I have this farm. I had to Google a lot of things because I didn't know how to develop the farm. So, at first, I think I found this book, Miraculous Abundance, with this French couple. We had this farm in Normandy, you know. Ryan and Charles Hervé Gruyere. And the book was just so interesting. I mean, like, different, they wrote about dynamic gardening, uh, natural farming, organic farming, permaculture, and I said, it's an interesting to, thing to do. And that's where I, I discovered uh, forest gardening. And they made it sound like so easy to do this. So I said, oh, I can, I can do this. You know, you can even go on a holiday because you're just taking care of trees. So, so I was hooked. So that was the beginning. <laughs> Of course, I discovered much later that it was not as easy as they made it sound, no? <laughs> uh, I tire easily and 
I mean, it's good I have these young people with me because they do most of the work and, you know, I just uh, do a little bit here and there. Uh, and it's amazing how you, both of you, started around the same time, right? 2018 yeah. Yeah. with the farming and permaculture. How did you two meet? Uh, how did you meet? Gab, you, uh, you tell the uh, story. So I had, I have this, uh, I have this supporter of mine, like one of my... My my fans, na, si Sister Lucy. He's a no, she's a nun working sa ano sa sa mga I don't know what their sect was. Ond. Tapos uh, uh yeah, they're from Ond and uh she she's a part like, she's a supporter of ACAP. So ACAP is like the like the organization that Bernie's supporting too. So. Uh, one plus one led to, <laughs> like, uh, Sister Lucy invited me to, uh, to a, what do you call it, to a s- small seminar. Like it was a, uh, it was a half day event na, no, on garbage enzyme. So like I attended it in in their office in Akap, and uh, I met. That's where I met uh, in, uh, in what's her name in in uh, in 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 yeah. I met in in and uh, I mentioned mentioned that I had a permaculture farm and like she like she said that they're developing a permaculture farm too so like oi I need to I need to see it and so that's where that's how we both met like weeks later uh, who contacted who first I did then? I friended you yeah 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 <laughs> yeah you friended me so that's how we met and then she visited the farm, like, and that's how it started. So cool. And so cool that you guys are nearby, you know, even if it's a 20-minute drive, it's still nice to have a fellow permaculturist around in the same area. Uh, so for, for our listeners, can you uh, define permaculture, at least for you, what is permaculture to you? Well, I like the definition of my PDC teacher, Rosemary Morrow, because it's so simple, but it captures the essence of permaculture for me. She says, permaculture is the conscious and ethical application of ecological principles to the design of sustainable habitats. Uh, permaculture is the lazy man's farming, lazy man's way to farm. <laughs> yeah, for me, that's a simple definition. Like, it's more of natural farming and letting nature do the work because nowadays we're so disconnected from nature now in our current capitalist consumerist system like the elements of food people and nature are so uh, disconnected whereas in a permaculture food forest or in a set in a farm setup we we're able to connect those three elements the people the food and nature all in one place so yeah that's that's permaculture for me. Actually, if you take both of your definitions, they're they're talking about the same thing, just in a different manner, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think that's also one of the things that is great about permaculture. It really makes you see everything else differently from that from a different lens, right? Because ever since I got into permaculture it was 
I guess in inevitable for me to see our current society as really consumeristic because for permaculture you don't need much really you, what you need is nature and I guess rediscovering our place in it. So what what are um, do you have a favorite thing about permaculture like a, mm. like a practice or something specific about it that you really like or that guides you in your like maybe for farming. me, like for me, it's uh, like it's like work and play all in one, except you know, all in one place. Like it's a, it's not a separate activity. Like I can enjoy and uh, be productive at the same time. So it's not, it's not something that I'd be like oh, I'm working again or and like uh, I'm always. Uh, I'm always happy to be there, like in the farm, and uh, it's really work and play in one place. And also, I in there, I'm able to cultivate mindfulness and living in the present. Like there are so little distractions. Like you really get to listen to nature and uh, see the patterns and learn more from what what nature is really trying to tell us. Yeah, so it's more of yeah, work and play together. How about you, Ma'am Bernie? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I think it's a necessary thing to do at this time, especially with climate change and the pandemic. I mean, we all have to do our share in the needed repair and regeneration work on of planet Earth. No? But there are many things I really like about uh, permaculture. Well, first of all, I've always wanted to uh, have a farm that is not just uh, productive uh, but beautiful. So picking uh, things to have the farm landscape, to plant uh, ornamentals with uh, edible gardens. And uh, of course, I have my three favorite permaculture principles, you know, which fit the kind of person I am. Like one, use and value diversity. No, I'm so ADHD, so it's like get bored doing one thing. So I like the biodiversity of the farm because then I can switch from, let's say, doing work in the nursery and then weeding, fencing. So... I, I like that one. The number two principle would be design from patterns to detail. Again, you know, I'm a gestalt thinker, so I like to go from the whole to the details. Uh, I mean, I don't think I could work on a project where I didn't have the bird's eye view, the total picture. And the third principle is because I'm a very curious person. It's, it is a serve and interact. I don't go out of the farm and maybe I just go out when I visit Gab's farm or go to the city to have my hair trimmed. So uh, I spend most of the time in the farm and I mean, you discover many things. Like first I couldn't even tell a weed from a, I don't know, a real tree seedling. So uh, you know, studying and just, just look at these things or sometimes they, they look, the things look alike, the leaves look alike. And then I discover that these are two different species. So these are the things that I like about the farm. Also, uh, I like engaging with the community because, you know, the farm is situated uh, in between barangays, no? barangay Linangkob and barangay Marbel. So we have friends from both communities. And, you know, we've made friends with the uh, captains of both barangays. Same thing with uh, In-In, whom Gab first met. She also has source plants from her uh, barangay, Balindog in Kapawan. So... I like this, you know, exchange of energy where we get a lot of support uh, from the community. 
I mean, just a week ago, we had uh, the youth group from New Leon come here to help plant seeds. So this is like a group of 20 kids, you know, in their teens. They planted over 300 uh, native tree species in our zone five, which was really amazing. And uh, I mean, it was so inspiring to hear them say that uh, they would like to come back and see, you know, how much the farm has grown. Of course, we never run out of things to do. Like this morning, my uh, buddies uh, went out to went to the zone five area and uh, looked for hunted for seeds and seedlings, lipotes seeds and seedlings. They, they planted a lot of uh, seedlings, one of which came from uh, Gab. You remember you gave us a mabolo seedling, so yeah. we, we planted that this morning in zone five. And they also uh, bugged a lot of uh, tree seedlings. I should talk about. Uh, Sonata, because it's also one thing that excites me now, you know, get network with uh, the group of native tree enthusiasts. Uh, well, Sonata was like the, the offshoot of the Philippine native tree enthusiasts group. Eh. So uh, there were lots of members from PNTE who were from Mindanao who wanted to like create an offshoot group para localize ang, like, ang seed sharing, ang seedling sharing. And ano. so uh, they created Sonata. Uh, it was the, the well Dennis Escamilan was the one who like who brought everyone together he was able to convince uh, Sir Henry Binahon Nick Acera uh, Dr. Alexis De Manuel like prominent figures in the agriculture uh, industry here in the in Mindanao to group together and uh, form a united like native tree enthusiast group so uh, and uh, there, we like we had our first uh, meet up like last year before COVID. Like it was held in Binahon Agriforestry Farm, and uh, too bad I wasn't able to join. So I, I didn't know what happened there, but uh, they're pretty active. So uh, whenever they have like caravans or like they visit Kidapawan, like I get to uh, meet them and. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a very active group, and they're all and uh, very passionate about native trees. So it's a plus for us permaculturists to be connected with them, because uh, it's a great resource for knowledge and uh, tree seedlings. I'd like to mention about this you know, uh, swapping thing. Just yesterday, you know, I I'm, I swapped seedlings with uh, Toto Kalo of uh, Agusan. So I swapped uh, manga chapoy seeds. For his bagra seeds. So I think it's great because, you know, <laughs> I would, uh, I mean, I just met him and we had this conversation and we agreed to swap seeds. <laughs> so you can see how much fun this thing is in Mindanao. I know, it's, it's, it sounds like such a uh, vibrant and close-knit community. Yeah, despite COVID and uh, all the border restrictions, like people from other places are still, you know, they want to transport their seedlings to trade with other... Because it's the rainy season, eh, sayang ang opportunity to plant. And uh, people who, like, like I know there's this uh, one uh, friend of ours, like Ma'am Ethel. Uh, she's from Hinatuan, Surigao. And uh, she's, she's trying to establish a native tree arboretum. So she's collecting all kinds of native trees. So uh, if she finds uh, like she finds like 
20 pieces of this seedling like she immediately travel from Hinatuan to anywhere the seedling is so maybe Davao or Kidapawan or and so like she's very you know very <laughs> she really likes her <laughs> native trees <laughs> yeah. okay um so it's evident from what you both said that you take a lot of joy from your permaculture farms, right? But I'd just like to ask this. Like, why do permaculture? Is it like a means to an end or is it an end in itself? Or why do you do it? Because at my age, I mean, I don't expect... The, I'm only in the departure area, so I don't really expect this farm for long. But... It's nice to think that you know I can start something which other people can continue. I think I should mention the fact that part of our farm team is also an artist, you know, James, who's doing the landscape farm. Because, like I said, I don't just want I don't, I don't just want a productive farm. I also want a beautiful farm. So he's making sure that uh, the farm looks really inviting. In fact, some people have passed by the farm have asked us, "Is this a resort?" So, you know, that flatters us because it's really, I mean, you know, we have flowers and all sorts of things. We have rock spirals and um, you can imagine uh, what's in the farm. So uh, I think it's a good enough reason, Joanne, to, you know, do this thing, leave something behind. Right, right. How about you, Gab? Well, I... I'm doing this because uh, it's it needs to be done. Like there's nothing else na more pressing nowadays, but uh, climate change. Like then, well, like uh, everyone has to contribute, even with like our own little contributions. And this is my contribution. Like, and uh, uh, it's nice then to share to people, na like how it's very possible. How how it's how it can be done. With little little resources or with uh, like it's nice to connect with the community to to teach them and uh, help uh, spread the good word of permaculture. <laughs> yeah, like recently, like yesterday, uh, me and my friend, I, I was able to convince him to not really convince, but I was able to like he saw how how planting trees was like an investment or like how planting trees could help. Uh, secure a better future for his children. So like uh, I, comp- I accompanied him in buying seedlings all over the place and we planted uh, trees uh, on his perimeter in his, uh, in his uh, house lot. And uh, he was very happy to, to collect and plant trees. And now he's, uh, he keeps chatting me now on where to get these seeds, uh, these trees, where to get, where to find these seedlings. Like, uh, he's he's becoming part of the cult. <laughs> I know once you start, it's so hard to stop. It was really nice to hear from Gab and Bernie about their journey into permaculture and what they like about it and why they do it. Uh, what do you guys think about um, what they've shared? Uh, did you learn anything? Did anything stand out? Do you have any questions? I think from... From what I heard in the first part, um, I couldn't help but think about my childhood when, when Gab and, and Bernie started talking about what, how they got into permaculture and gardening. Um, when Gab said he was on, an only child and he was, 
he said he was never into plants. I was like, oh, that's just like me. <laughs> but, you know, he appreciated the outdoors. But um, And then si Bernie naman, um, she had a father who was a farmer himself. And I couldn't, for some reason, I thought about my dad because my dad was also a farmer, but the age gap was just so large. And when he, he passed away when I was seven, so I couldn't really, you know, I never had the opportunity to, to learn about those stories. So I, it was funny that that was what I thought about. But, but yeah, it made me appreciate the, both of their stories, how they got to where they were. So and that was the first thing that I thought. Yeah, the, it's interesting that, that Gab, how old is Gab, by the way? <clears throat> He's, he's like 20s, siguro mid-20s. Okay, that's interesting. Um, well, it's it's great to hear from, you know, somebody who has never had that experience or never had interest before. Anyone who had his privilege, you know, being having access to land um, would probably be more, you know, interested in just going by tradition but I guess our millennials now um, are, are more open to you know more sustainable ideas for sure and I'm, I'm glad to hear that he's able to to turn that around or to have that input and and learn about permaculture I think even before taking the course he was already looking it up um, and you know watching YouTube videos um, learning from all these online communities and yon parang that's already like a few bit the baby steps toward um, permaculture and that's that's really interesting you just really follow that trail and it just clicked for him that okay this is the way to go and it's it's great i mean it's it's nice and of course there's there's a lot of pressure in that area in kitapawan you know there are traditions or there are ways of doing farming there and and i'm glad that he 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 chose a different path <laughs> and he's applying what he's learning from permaculture not just about farming itself, but also the the, the principles of it, um, and I, I really like that the that he he chose this for this for for his resources and and he's growing pa. I think that Gab and Bernie are very relatable based on the discourse that they've shared during the interview. Um, I'd like to start with Bernie when she mentioned some principles. Okay, principle one, curiosity. And she mentioned that she didn't know how to differentiate a tree seedling from a weed or that their leaves may be similar, but they're actually two different plants. Um, The next principle that she mentioned was about community. And with that, we've been talking about community for our past few episodes, but what she built on with her definition of community was the initiative of the younger students or families that she's helped for them to come back. They would like to come back and see what they've done because it redefines what we want our community to be. It's like seeing a patient follow up, not just at one week or two weeks, 
but seeing these patients follow up in 10 years' time, seeing how they walk, seeing how you've affected their lives, not making them amputees or maimed or non-functional, but seeing them as responsible citizens, responsible gardeners, permaculturists, or practices, good practitioners of permaculture that contribute to society. And that's just a wonderful takeoff. Um, Albert mentioned about hearing about Bernie's dad being a farmer or having folks who are farmers. It's different to have that longing to connect with the land, but it's also different to have someone within your reach, within the first degree, teaching you directly or passing down such important knowledge because it's knowledge that you can immediately trust and it's knowledge that's really filtered out to be to give you the best possible solutions for the outcomes that you want to attain or achieve. I thought it was really interesting to have them both together because they because of the difference in age. You know, like Bernie is about, I think, 60 plus and then Gab is 20 plus. And you can see with their answers the different... Uh, where they're coming from, how different the where they're coming from are, but I guess it's like the like permaculture being the way it is. You can customize it to your life. I don't know if you you guys had a good grasp of permaculture after listening to their answers, like after hearing their answers. What is permaculture to you guys? I, I'm slowly still getting an idea of what permaculture is and primarily through you. And then after this interview, after hearing them, they were sharing, um, Bernie was talking about the ecological, you know, the ecological benefits, um, how permaculture really takes after nature. It really got me to appreciate it a bit more, um, especially coming from an environment conservation standpoint. When I think about different, you know, like permaculture and other different agricultural or not agricultural, but different methods of gardening and farming. Because usually I'm always thinking like agriculture or some other practice in some way or shape or form could be somehow maybe detrimental or it could be um, depending on, you know, how, it, how it's applied. But I like how permaculture, especially now hearing from Bernie Kanina, it's actually one of the central tenets of how it's practiced. Now nature is incorporated nature is or the environment is a main component of permaculture so that was that was something i'm beginning to understand more and more yeah what i'm really curious about is when you talk about the zones that that part i haven't really grasped yet but the the big idea of permaculture which is permanent agriculture right is that you know it's a more sustainable and conscious way of um providing of, of designing um, an ecosystem or a habitat um, where humans and other species can thrive. That for me is what I'm, I'm slowly learning from permaculture. And I guess also the principles, I, I'm really interested in the principles of fair share. And, and, and how communities really involved in it. But yeah, the, the technicality of like designing the zones and, and um, you know, finding the water source and what, uh, how you control pests with, by, you know, 
having which plants to go with other plants. Yung mga ganun, syempre hindi ko pa yung nag-grasp. I guess it's, it's just easier if, like Miss Bernie was saying, it's she she learned along the way, di ba? Um, I guess it's just easier to do that then. But I'm also very curious about when when Gab said, you know, you can actually do urban permaculture. So I was I started looking it up. You both got it right. It's uh, it's easier to think of it as a design framework that will that can guide how someone uh, can grow their food or live in harmony with nature. I mean, that's a very broad statement. That's, I think that's why there are the ethics and then the principles to, to guide you in a more practical way. So, yeah, about the zones. The zones is just a way, like if you have a site, the zones is a way for you to uh, look at your site and basically kind of divide it. So zone one is the most uh, intensive site. That's where your kitchen garden is. That means the plants there need most of your attention, like maybe every day or every other day, every week. And then you have zone two, which is actually the food forest. And then three, four, five. Five is like the wilderness. It's like a wild zone. Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a way of life, really, permaculture. Once you've read the ethics and the principles, you can apply it not just to gardening, but to everything else. Like, if, if you search, like someone has, has written something about permaculture in software development. And I think it's important to, to note that these principles and the ethics, the, the founders of permaculture based it on indigenous knowledge. So, you know, they didn't invent it. They observed. And because indigenous peoples all over the world, they're in tune with nature, right? They know how to to live with nature, interact with nature without destroying it. And I guess they just made it more applicable to people in, in modern settings. You know, I, I think we apply zoning here. <laughs> we have that. <laughs> so in our farm, <laughs> so, well, because we're in an apartment, but we've, we're lucky to have this little, I want to say what, one meter by one meter. <laughs> or really small. One by two meter, no? But, you know, I was thinking about what you said. I was like, that's interesting. That's, that's nice that they have a zone for like, because that makes sense. If you're farming, you have the day-to-day, you know. So I have, we have a chair garden and I water that every day. And there, you know, we have the, the spinach, the Philippine spinach, Telino. the telinum. I, I trim that. I have to check for worms with the calamansi every day. I, and I enjoy it. But I realize, and that's good that there's that wilderness zone then. To leave, you know, you know, I don't know. I'm just thinking out of the, the top of my head. Maybe you want bees to just, wild bees to just be there and create the hive and then that pollinates every, I don't know. I'm guessing, I'm assuming that's why there's that aspect, let alone the aspect of having that wilderness thing for the eco- ecosystem, you know, benefit. But so I realized we do also have that. So in the, the meter across, we have this part that's exposed. So where the calamansi are and all the plants that you know that are more sensitive, I guess we they're in this corner where they're protected from all the rain, especially now it's raining. It's been raining heavily, um, because otherwise, if you put it out, they they'd die. They would drown. But in this one corner where there's no roof, that's where the more I call them the resilient plants. But that's more the of our thirsty like, plants. Oh, the thirsty <laughs> plants. Oh, or even kahit like a few months ago, your those plants we had out there. 
we I never we never touched them, but they were the buhay parin. You know, they're still alive. So so the other day, so I have this guyabano seed tree, this little small tree that I got from Russell's mom. And so every day for how many months I'm watering it like all the time because it's so it's so thirsty, it gets so dry, and even after a day, there's it's it starts to wilt. So um, I realized, well, now it's raining. I'll put it in the wild, the wild side, and I never, I haven't touched it. Maybe I'll, I'll check once in a while, every few days, I'll water. But it's like more greener. It's more perky. You know, it really likes just being. Don't touch me. Let nature <laughs> take care of me now. So yeah, and that's what I, I realize now. Like I guess we're doing that kind of like unofficially, you know, in our own little urban. Yeah. And yun nga eh, that's that's what's also really nice about the, the concept of permaculture. Like it there's a framework to it, but you have to rely a lot about yun nga, on your observations. Like Miss what Miss Bernie mentioned. Um and I like that. I, I really like that because you you get intimidated by all the information, you get intimidated by all the people who are already experts in this, ganyan. Yeah, but in the end, it's it's you, the plant, and nature. <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 nice to to really apply that daily. And and as as Gab mentioned, it it gives you that practice of you know mindfulness as well because you you have to be you have to notice what's what's going on. And yeah, I I mean I'd love to learn more about urban permaculture actually. I mean, of course, we're doing it informally already. Most of it is Albert's effort. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if we, we get to do that more in like small pockets in our barangay, um, why not, right? That, that kind of, I think that's, there's a lot of potential in there. You know what I, we need? We need the... Uh, I guess chilies no for pests. <laughs> I think yun pa yung kulang natin. <laughs> oh, pero di ba they they died again. Remember yeah. I tried it at first. Oh, it's but, worth trying again. So we're going to try to explore. I hope we're not going off tangent, but just for a quick minute, we're we're gonna go to the barangay at some point, maybe this next weekend, because we have this plant out. I don't even know the species, but it's so big, it's too big for our garden. So. I'm thinking, well, I'll go there and like donate it, ask them if I could plant it. Because there's this little, barang- in the barangay, there's a little park with all these plants. And then they have this grotto pa. And it's really nice. And it's maintained. When I bike around, I see these, these titas. They're, they're planting, they're cleaning the garden, and they're talking to the neighbors. I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to try to get to know them. So we're going to try to do that. Maybe we can get CD from them or like, I don't know, more, more garden, plant, and, you know, exchange with our neighbors. So. Nice. Let's see. Yeah. yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, I look forward to hearing about your success there. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah I, think, I look forward to doing it. Yeah, I think I think urban permaculture like ano, involves or would require talaga forming a community. Because eh. like urban places or cities, you don't have a lot of land to plant in, ganyan. So it's like having a common uh guard a community garden. Right, like what you described, Albert. That would be nice. But it would probably suck also if the barangay official would say, "Oh, Mr. Baldwin, I don't think you can do that because you have to be part of this association. The association <laughs> is only open to this gender of this street of this lot." Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, hopefully, 
hopefully not. Or, you know, baka Albert can charm them <laughs> to change their... Uh-huh. Oh, I'm I'm afraid of that then kasi nahirapan ako magtagalog. So this is a feral guy comes in. You guys want a plant? I have a plant. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need Russell. <laughs> but I'm going to try naman. I'm gonna, kasi I'm always biking around there. So I th- yeah, this weekend or maybe during the weekdays in the morning, I'll I'll bring one of our plants like um you know, uh what the <laughs> Pero po magtanim dito, i-donate ko lang yung ano whatever you know. So let's that see was, what <laughs> That was invasive pala yung halaman. Pero di ba? or na poison yung ano or <laughs> or ipo-poach lang ng mga tao, di ba? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that's why it's important nga to to find hindi lang kami yung magsa-start na mag-plant na parang if we're busy or for example like you we're, we're not in the area or like we we go to we go home to the province etc someone will will take care of them take care of the community garden it's a shared ownership diba hindi lang kami yung in charge or whatever they they get to do it then so let's see um at least as yung experience namin with our barangay um they're the the people are quite open naman and they 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 have updates on Facebook. There's even like uh, uh, an online community of people nearby. Uh, dito sa barangay with several barangays. It's mostly like, you know, delivery of food, etc. Pero you never know. We can start planting the seeds in their head. Like, hey, anybody want to start a community garden? Ganyan. So, yeah, I think there there are avenues, there are places naman. But we'll, we'll see. We'll try to do it baby one baby step at a time you know I, this made me remember what i just read i just finished reading permaculture one by um the, the founders the origin co-originators of permaculture and they have a chapter on urban permaculture actually so oh, nice. yeah it was really interesting because they also explained how you know urban areas it was it became a center for development, like, you know, for for buildings and then these professions, right? And then farming and growing food were just left for the rural areas. So now you have these groups of people in urban areas who are so detached from the food, but, you know, which is a basic need, right? So parang urban permaculture is kind of slowly reclaiming that, what do you call it, responsibility or... Actually, also a privilege to grow your grow your own food or use your kitchen scraps, your waste to make compost. And then there could be some sort of meaningful exchange between urban and rural areas. You know, like it's an ongoing process. The way our societies developed, we separated it in the growing of food and nature, right? Which is strange because we're part of the natural world. So I think there's a lot to be explored and learned in urban permaculture. So do you live right in your farm, Gab? Or do you have to go to your farm uh, from your house? I have to go to the farm. Like uh, It's like 15 minutes by car and 30 minutes by bike. So okay. Yeah. It, and uh, you go every near, day? Uh, as much as possible. As much as I can. Like, 
if I'm not doing anything else, like, yeah, I go to the farm. We're, we live in Kidapawan, and Kidapawan is like the foot of Mount Apo. So, uh, and the farm elevation is at around 600 meters above sea level. So it's kind of, it's kind of cold here when, at, during night or early morning, it, uh, my fogs and all. And it's a really nice place to, uh, to grow fruit trees, especially mga durian, mangosteen. And like our place is known as the city of fruits and highland springs. So yeah, so like every August we have our fruit festival. Like we, like we, like the, the local government tourism office like hosts uh, like an eat all you can fruits uh, galore like for, for three days. Like they, they offer like an eat all you can a buffet of fruits like the durian, lanzones, rambutan, mangosteen, uh, all kinds of uh, tropical fruits. And uh, only for 25 or 50 pesos per person. So that's a good, a really good deal. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And when you work on your farm, is it mostly, do you have people who help you? Uh, at, and who are they? At first, uh, I was really, in a, like, I really had, so it, I, I was at the verge of quitting before, like a year ago. Because I didn't have any help, like it was all me, and I was I wasn't able to, to because it was really hard to, to secure like, even my my stuff like I I like I there like my stuff would get us uh, uh, stolen by, mga people there like, like mga farm equipment. So, uh, it was really hard at first, but then. I was able to get a tenant who, who were willing enough to, because it, it, it's a it's a monocrop rubber plantation, and I'm slowly transitioning it into a food forest. There's still rubber trees growing there, and uh, they were left untapped for a short while. So now that uh, I I was able to employ the tenant family, like it's, there's there are a family of seven. They have five children. Uh, work has been easier for me like they they help in my day-to-day activities like they when uh, when i need something done i have some a few helping hands and just recently around two months ago was able to employ two people two two people from the community lang then like uh uh and uh, but just for ano mga manual labor lang like for ano maintenance and all like all the planting and all the designing still done by me. And uh, I just get some, like, a, a little help from them. Yeah. Okay. And how big is your farm again? I think I missed that. Uh, it's five hectares. But I'm I'm only able to develop around two hectares. Palang. Like, That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, there's one hectare na... na, na like it's my zone five, so there's like a river flowing, uh, and I'd like to to have it as my zone five because uh, there's there's lots of bamboo thickets there, like old growth of bamboo, and it's nice to just uh, be there, like and bath there. Like, 
if only ano if only there weren't any chemical farms on uh near me sayang lang kasi uh, adjacent to my place there there like banana plantations so like if you look at the top view of like sa google maps uh the the farm is like one of the only green spaces there remaining like all the other uh fields nearby are converted into monocrop uh banana plantations or uh coconut and rubber plantations so uh that's, that's the sad thing about our place na it's being uh how do you call it being uh conquered by dole <laughs> can you share some of the permaculture practices that you do at your farm like maybe two or three Hmm, by practices, uh, is it same like mga donations ba ganun? Or mga um, pwede, pwede yun or pwedeng ano din, like specific area that you developed a certain okay. way. Okay, okay. So, like, uh, one, there's this place I call, I call the hot spot. It's where I put all my chilies, na chili collection, like super hot, mga labuyo, like all kinds of chili that I can get my hands on. Uh, it's uh, it's like where I put it. And they're, they're made using raised beds uh, made of uh, coconut husks. So I'm able to create raised beds with coconut husks and fill, fill them with soil and compost. And uh, so far, it's the, the, the chilies are growing well. Like, uh, And there are lots of different chilies. Like, it's nice to see uh, diversity in species and uh, different herbs to uh, interplanted with the chilies. Like I have oregano, uh, basil, and culantro and different uh, uh, herbs there along with the chilies to help uh, ch- the chilies uh, grow uh, like to confuse the pests too and maybe attract some uh, so like by like I'm not really particular on like like uh, having like a certain amount of uh, plants na ganito ganyan. Like I'm all about diversity. So I as like I whatever plant I can get get my hands on, I just plant it there and let nature do the work. Like I and and then observe lang and then feedback loops lang. Like if uh, is this place growing well? Compared to this one, like ganun lang, like uh, so far they're all growing well, and uh, like I even like my my friend, my chili grower friend, even was even very envious of me. Na I didn't have to bag the chilies, like in his in his uh, garden, he he's, he bags the chilies. He he has lots of ano eh, mga he, he does lots of work, but to maintain his chili, just just to grow chilies. And whereas in my place, like I just let them grow, and uh, when they're ripe enough, I just harvest. Like very little work. Like uh, sa start lang siya mahirap na not really mahirap, but uh, it was the the labor was only in the start. Like just the filling, the filing of the the coconut husks and the filling of soil there, and that's it. After that, very low maintenance. Like simple solutions and stacking functions. That's right. That's right. And for your farm, did you actually make a design for the entire farm? And do you follow uh, yeah. it? Yeah. So, 
uh, way back 2018 when I attended the permaculture, permaculture design course in Cabio Kid, uh, I used the farm as my, uh, I, I, I used the farm's layout as my design, you know, so, uh, Bale, from from the 2018 design, it's evolving towards what I have now. And but I don't have it in paper. Like it, it's all in my phone. Anyway, it's like a drone shot of the farm, and then I'm just uh, constantly updating it. And I, I'm still planning to to like, make the real map now with all the zonations and all the tiny details and all. But uh, I still I'm still looking for a program that can you know. Uh, that can that I, that I can work with to do it easier and I'm I'm looking for the best way to to map it out yeah right. I think that's the, the that's a that's one of the best things about permaculture is that you do come up with a design but then it's flexible right yeah. like you're you're yeah. not it's not a rigid design that you have to follow it because you you have to apply the principles like you observe and interact and then you know you realize that that bit of your design doesn't really make sense, so yeah. you adapt. Yeah, very much so. I'm like, getting no. <laughs> sobra, <laughs> like a uh, funny story. Like me and my friends, like I, I brought them to farm, and then uh, they they wanted to help around. So one of my friends like uh, picked up a machete and like started. Uh, clearing a trail, like he he made his own trail. So his name's Bobet, and I shout out to Bobet. <laughs> uh, Bob, uh, so Bob like made his own trail, and like from then from there on, like we used that trail to go to the like to the main food forest. So like like I I named it Bobet Trail now. So like in <laughs> because he made it so. Like out of the blue, lang na no, and like it just happened, but it, it happened or uh, naturally. So I just let it be, and now I defined the path, na lang then. Like I maintained it, and now it's one of the uh, one of the better looking features of the farm now. Like it's uh, planted with different mga fruit shrubs and trees. Like it's a really nice place to walk on. <laughs> right, and that's so amazing because those things just happen naturally. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's something that you cannot you like, plan. <laughs> plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you have to, like, be open to those uh, details or changes and then be able to adapt. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So um, do you have another uh, part of your farm that you can tell us about? Maybe in practice, my practice of fair share in... Like when when I'm working with like when we have when we have harvests of like bananas and different crops like uh, I see to it that I I get to share our like, before I bring home like the produce I get to share it with uh, the tenant family and the laborers there so like just last week we harvested like from one tree alone we were able to get three sacks of lanzones so I left one sack to the family and then. Uh, one like half of one sack we I this I, I had it distributed among two of my laborers so uh, and I was able to bring home one and a half sacks so 
like fair share pa rin. like everyone gets a piece of the cake like i want to be ganun. so it's nice to ano kasi it's nice to teach them then how how sharing can make our lives all easy, easier eh. kasi like right now ang problem kasi sa, sa mga farmers there in our place like they they all subsist on uh, rice and mga dela- canned goods or mga nutritionally devoid meat food so uh very and often na lang they get to to eat uh nutritious food vegetables and uh fruits like uh because all the land there has been converted into bananas and uh coconuts and other uh like sobrang onti na mga fruit trees like it, it's hard to find uh mga rare rare trees like uh, i don't know atis chico it's very rare now nowadays like maybe mga ano the common ones lang mga marang ganun. but so like we can't really enjoy our our food our fruits now which grow voluntarily lang in this place but like uh they really grow well and it's such a sh- uh, shame now we we're not able to enjoy it all the time because uh the because of the use of uh, uh misuse of the land yeah right right and you mentioned that you were that you grew up in the city right yeah. so was there like ha- have you found that permaculture sort of made you aim for a simpler life Yeah, very much so. Like, uh, before, because uh, I was, I was, uh, I, of course, I, during college, I didn't know where to go in life. Like, uh, I spent seven years in college in UP Cebu. Uh, I spent seven years because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> like, I really had, uh, like, the one of the best times in college. Like. <laughs> I did go to class. I skipped class. <laughs> like I, I, you know, like I'd go somewhere else. And ano lang, uh, bale, I didn't know where where I'd be. And the like, good thing the guidance counselor in UP, Sir Tad and ano, Miss uh, Maglasang, they advised me na it's okay to ano, you just find your purpose. Eventually, you you find it. And and after many years of like since graduating in 2015 like i i tried to work in uh in the government and i tried applying to call centers and different ano in the city and i i didn't really find it very rewarding work and it's very paano ba yan uh it could it, it uh i'm not free per se i i i don't find freedom and uh happiness in there so uh That's when I decided to come back here in, in our hometown and uh, and tried to tried my, tried my hands in farming. So that's where I found permaculture, and now life's so much easier, uh, simpler, and ha- uh, happy. Like, uh, but way from being depressed, now I'm very high on life. <laughs> right, right, and yeah. you realize you don't need much, right? And it's, yeah, exactly. it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, this is uh, something that I've been, like, like, I've thought about it every, I think about it every now and then, about native trees versus non-native trees. What's your take on that? Like, do you plant 
all sorts of trees on your farm or um I'm also on the, yeah i'm also on the fence there because uh of course uh being a native tree advocate uh, enthusiast like we're all uh, taught in the group na, uh native native trees prioritize native trees over non-natives and but uh i non-natives still have their own purpose din naman in our ano, in, in our practice like uh for example ipil-ipil ipil-ipil is a fast-growing tree that can be used as uh when 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 maintained it can be used as a green, uh, green a biomass for chop and drop and ano but if left untouched like it can uh grow really big and drop and spread seeds all over and become invasive but if uh in a food forest setup it's a nice uh tree to add to for, to start the for the to jump start the forest because it's a pioneer tree so uh i believe that non natives have their roles too like uh, like example my exotic trees i'm i'm more into ano kasi i'm, I'm collecting all kinds of tropical trees uh, fruit trees So whatever fruits that can grow here, uh, I want it in the food forest. So eventually, I could have uh, like an arboretum or so of mga different trees na mm-hmm. and fruits. And it would be nice to walk around the food forest and uh, find something that you haven't tasted yet, diba? Like, like I haven't, uh, I don't know about this fruit. And I, because I, I, uh, we're losing, ano rin, we're losing, Uh, we're losing the they call it because diba, we're we're ang diet natin nowadays is all just corn wheat and uh, revolves around three major food crops and uh, fruits are very r- hard to find na like in the market there if there there are fruits some of them are overpriced some are uh, chemically farmed like it's hard to find naturally farmed and kanang uh, organic uh, fruits. That are healthy for us, so uh, I'd like my place to become a like a model farm for a, a food forest for people to follow and uh, maybe replicate in in other places too. And it's a nice, ano, it's a nice advocacy. Yeah, yeah, and you know to be able to pick a fruit from the tree, yeah. right? Yeah. Like exactly. Yeah, like one of the yeah. best, and you know, best uh, things in life <laughs> is. Growing your own trees and seeing it fruit, seeing, it, seeing them flower, like wow. Yeah, I, I understand what you said about ipil ipil. Like now I'm growing kakawate. That's not native, yeah. right? Madre de kakao. But it's also for chop and drop. So yeah, I'm like I and the the fruits we're familiar with, I guess, are also non-native. Yeah, most so yeah. Like mangoes, they're not native. Uh, goyabano, <laughs> they're, they're, but we still have lots of native trees, but native fruits. But it's nice to have, you know, all all tropical fruits growing here too. Like now, I, I'm I'm growing aki. Are you familiar with aki? No, no. What's uh, that? It's the national fruit of Jamaica, and it's interesting because uh, the fruit opens up when it's ripe. And you can pick the the what do you call it? The I don't know the exact term. I forgot the exact term, but uh, it's like the the taste is like akin to pin, pili nut and butter. 
and eggs and what yeah it's really <laughs> delicious and it has lots of an uh, omega 3 and 6 bayon uh, it's essential for humans diet so uh if you're a fruitarian or a vegan it's a nice substitute to fish uh, wow yeah wow. and in in jamaica yeah. they use it in their dishes like they cook it with their dishes look it up aki it's a c k e e yeah how do you space your trees? Uh, Is there like a specific <laughs> distance that you follow? Uh, I always go against the advice of mga, mga farmers here. Because eh? when they visit the farm, they see like, the trees are so uh, spaced closely together. Like this would not get... Like... I keep asking my mentor, uh, Bert Peters, na. I chat him from time to time, like, is it okay to do this, to do that? And all he replies is, uh, just plant trees. <laughs> just, like, just plant it. Like, let it grow. Just let it be. Like, it will find its way eventually. Like, So, true enough, like, at first, I tried to plant in really large distances, like 8 by 8 meters, 9 by 9 meters, like, really far. But now I learned na. From observing nature, from from going to forests and all, like some trees are even spaced one meter apart and they grow really nicely. Like yeah. So <laughs> so, so I have like test plots. Like I'm growing fruit trees in different uh, distances. Like I'm just looking. Uh, I'm just observing now if they would grow well. And I'm also interplanting mga uh, pioneer trees and chop and drop trees nearby. So. If you uh, uh, so like the food forest now is like a mix of diff- lots of different trees planted closely together, like maybe like recently I planted uh, in my in our boundary we I planted uh, like a hundred plus native trees that are closely spaced like three meters apart, tri- but triangular spacing. So because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. when you when reforest thing though like it's best if you want to mimic the forest you like plant 1.5 meters apart but then i'm trying and if you want to create an orchard like minimum is like six meters or more so i'm trying to you know uh uh go uh in in between between. do something in between yeah compromise yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we'll see what happens (laughs) And you know, like what your mentor said, they'll sort themselves yeah. out and you know yeah. eventually. Okay, um, so do you think na urban people or urban gardeners can also practice permaculture? Yeah, of course. Like there's this thing called urban permaculture naman din, di ba? Na like you also practice permaculture in your house, like uh in like because permaculture is more of a design philosophy it's not about uh farming having a food forest or i know it's all about design like how you design your space how you design your life to become sustainable so yeah i believe uh people can uh can contribute to greening nature by maybe small ways lang like maybe have some plants in their balcony ba like have a few potted herbs edible plants like Mga easy to grow plants like it's not like plants just grow if you let them grow it eh? so 
especially now uh, there's this craze uh, plant craze by the plantitas and the plantitas they're all so focused in growing ornamental plants and all but I mean if you just squeeze in a few edibles there okay na diba <laughs> okay lang naman ang ornamentals they provide aesthetics and all but it's also nice to grow mga edibles and yeah. herbs yeah okay um so for every episode we ask our guests to give us some tanum tips huh. so it can be just one or two or three tanum tips mm. maybe in planting or an, or any, um, anything anything pwedeng um philosophical pwedeng practical <laughs> sige uh, maybe one would be uh use a mycorrhizal inoculant <laughs> are you, if you're familiar uh, with mycorrhizal inoculants uh there because our 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 soil has uh, for plants to grow Fungi, the fungi helps to, diba? underground, there's a mycelial network. That's the internet of the, the soil. It's how plants communicate with each other. So if, uh, if we're working with soil that's been uh, tailed and plowed and uh, used with, with synthetic chemicals and uh, herbicides and all, of course, the topsoil and the fungal network there would be destroyed. So... To bioremediate or to help uh, to help our plants uh, be connected with the mycelial network faster than natural processes, uh, it would be nice to use the mycorrhizal inoculants. And I'm using uh, Mycovam uh, developed by UPLB. It's called Mycovam, M-Y-K-O-V-A-M. So... Okay. You just use a little, you just you just use uh, like around five grams per per tree. You spread it in the roots. You could also use it into existing trees. So, yeah, it's one of my. And you just order it from them. Uh, well, I have a friend here who's a distributor, so I ordered it from him. It's just two hundred pesos per bag. Uh, one bag is one kilo, so and one kilo could last for. A long time. It depends on how many trees you're planting. So, even in oh no, it, uh, I'm I'm also using it in my herbs and all the other plants. Like it's not just for trees. Yeah. I think it's baolang uh, crucifers for it, like and all other trees, all other plants. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay. And also, uh, one more, one more tanum tip is. Uh, have fun, <laughs> have fun with uh, what you're doing. Like, yeah, don't stress too, don't stress too much. <laughs> yeah, don't focus on the pests. Right? Yeah, yeah. Every, every <laughs> pests are friends too. <laughs> the problem is a solution. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. Thank you so much, Gab. For thank you, thank you. Making this time to talk to us here at Tanum Tuesdays and then hopefully I'll be able to talk to Bernie yeah. uh, separately. Okay, so we can start with uh, your experience having that uh, class or course with Rosemary Morrow. I think that would have been yeah. so amazing. If you can just talk a little bit about that. Uh, we spent one week with Rosemary Morrow which was actually part one of the PDC organized by Green Relief. 
I don't know if you are familiar with Green Relief. It's a nonprofit work with communities uh, affected by disasters. No? So they uh, do, I mean, like they teach resilience uh, uh, technique for communities. So we were fortunate because ours was actually the last class Rosemary conducted before she fully retired from teaching. I mean, she almost did not come because of COVID. Whoa. So the part two of the PDC was supposed to be held in May in Tabuk, Kalinga, because two of our fellow participants are from Kalinga. Uh, it was going to be taught by a colleague of Rosemary, but this did not happen because of COVID. So the course was very hands-on. And I mean, she's really a great teacher. She made sure that everybody was uh, on the same page. I mean, we had, uh, I mean, she had her, uh, she had her uh, <clears throat> lessons translated into the vernacular, even if, I mean, like all of us could <laughs> understand English. She just made sure that everybody, everything was understood well. No? And it was uh, held at the organic farm of the Kauswagan LGU in Lanao del Norte which is a five hectare farm. So we were really able to move around and really hands-on, you know, like you would have classes under the coconut trees or, and then she would show us the you know, plant succession. I mean, actually demonstrating, you know, looking at weeds. <laughs> so, I mean, like, ibang-ibang uh, experience. I really loved it. <clears throat> so uh, we were not stuck in a classroom, but you know, we moved around, we did soil testing, we did water testing, we were asked to make suggestions on how the farm could be improved, no, to design changes, because this was not a permaculture farm, this was just an organic farm. We even visited a uh, permaculture project in Marawi, which uh, Green Relief had uh, set up uh, to assist uh, the evacuees. No? So, uh, I mean, it was really a full week, and we like the part that uh, we'll, um, it was very, what do you call this? It was not uh, stressful at all because we had a chance to relax. And, you know, we all lived on site. There were rooms for the participants. And uh, it was a mix. We had games. I mean, like she would teach us through games. And uh, like 78 years old. I mean, like, yeah, she's older than I am, but she's so nimble. I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, she has so much energy, so wonderful teacher. And uh, oh, we, we were a mixed group coming from different regions. So we had participants from Kalinga, from Bicol, from Leyte, from Samar. And we were from Kidapawan, of course. So, you know, it was a mixed group and we could learn from the experiences of everybody. So for the final project, we were grouped into uh, regions and we're asked to design a project that could actually be implemented. So nice, no? Wow, Exciting. wow. amazing. And you yeah. know, to think that that was her last course yeah. that she was uh -oh. teaching, amazing. How lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can really consider ourselves very lucky. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay, um, so before we end every interview, we ask our guests for some Tanum tips. Mm -hmm. So this could be practical gardening or farming tips, or it could be more um, uh, philosophical <laughs> or any advice that you would like to give. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess my Tanum tips would be applications of what I have learned from Rosemary. Uh, first, she says that you can apply permaculture design principles anywhere. 
You can apply them to the space where you live and work. Small or big, the same principles apply for becoming more sustainable and resilient. Well, you know, you know that flexibility is inherent in working from permaculture principles. So it's a very important point that she emphasized. Another tip would be keep in mind that every site is unique. The sign from the general to the particular and be very observant. And of course, you know, we were very uh, hesitant sometimes to do things such as trust your observation and your intuition. So that was very affirming. Uh, another, oh, by the way, I, mean, I will be able to uh, practice the signing with two projects here. Uh, there is a site in our barangay for a community garden for four piece uh, members. So uh, it's a small site, but I, I think I'll enjoy uh, designing this for the women in the community. And there's also a public school in Matalam, which we have visited, which is a medicinal garden, herbal, herbal garden, uh, which we've been asked to help design. So I think I'll be able to practice uh, uh, my permaculture skills. What else? Um, oh, uh, maybe what I practice in the farm is to pay attention to the fundamentals, you know, the water, soil, and plants. Here in the farm, we are very conscious of the need to conserve water, you know. We don't have a well or a water source, so we do water harvesting using big drums. Uh, we have access to a stream and a pozo near the farm. It's a community uh, well. Uh, soil. The soil in our farm is super clayey, so a lot of our effort goes into improving, improving it now. Mulching, composting, using manure. And uh, of course, we have raised beds for vegetables. And uh, we are experimenting with spirals. Now we have a herbal spiral, ornamental spiral, and an edible garden spiral. Uh, what else? Uh, collect seeds in earnest. You know, I mean, like you were very particular in collecting seeds. Uh, even the seeds, you know, from the from what we eat, we save, and we have asked other people to save for us. So uh, our seed collection is growing, and um, we have a nursery where we keep seedlings. Uh, I think we have to build a new, set up a new nursery for three seedlings because uh, what we have is a vegetable nursery and uh, the needs of a three seedling is different. So we are designing a three seedling nursery too. And although we have lots of trees in the farm, we have probably uh, maybe, I mean, close to a hundred species. We continue to plant, plant, plant. I mean, especially uh, tree seedlings. And uh, we make an effort to produce no waste or at least reduce waste. So I guess that's about uh, the Tanum tips that I can give. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much, Bernie. I mean, you may have only like started with permaculture two years ago, right? 2018. But the experience, your experiences, your past experiences bring so much insight into it, like how you approach permaculture. And uh, it was really an honor to talk to you for this interview. I enjoyed talking to you and following you on uh, Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. <laughs> Learning so much from you, John. Uh, I hope we can visit each other's uh, permaculture sites in the future. Soon, I hope. Yeah. Uh, oh, after yes. COVID. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Okay, thank you so much, Bernie. Okay, bye. Bye, take care. Okay, you too. 
So I think it was really uh, interesting how permaculture sort of gave Gab direction. Like he talked about how he stayed in college for seven years, and then and then it gave him it gave him purpose in life. And you know, at such a young age, you know, he has so much to learn and discover. Pa. And then we have Bernie, naman, who is semi-retired and she's using permaculture uh, to build community in Kidapawan. Like, I think she's helping design a community garden. I, I couldn't help but appreciate. I, I was just, you know, when Gab shared that he would bike, sometimes bike, sometimes, uh, I don't know the other ways he would go to his farm. Parang, and then he would talk about how they're at the foothills. Oh, sorry. They're at the... He lives near Mountain Dao. Mountain Ap- Mount Apo. Mount Apo. Oh, my God. That's like the tallest mountain, right? In the Philippines? Yeah. Oh, when he was talking about it. And then biking. I, I just imagine the mountain and biking to this farm. I was like, oh, who wouldn't want to, you know, cultivate and do, you know, apply permaculture and do this when you're surrounded by all that beautiful nature, you know? Um, so... That made that I don't know. If I I thought about uh, a similar place here in Luzon, naman sa Laguna. Um, there's this place called Bangkong Kahoy. I'm not sure if we mentioned it in another episode, but it's I I don't know if you would call it. I guess it's a resort, but it's not like your typical resort. They're really in tune with nature. Even the the bung, bungalow, would you call it that? The rooms they're 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 out. There's part of it is is outdoor. It's you even you sleep and then there's this open wall. Facing Mount Banahaw, yata. Mount Cristobal. Mount Cristobal. Yeah. This beautiful like place sits in between these two mountains, and um, when he talked about that, I was like, oh, I miss that. This is a you know we've been here eight months now in this urban. Oh, so that was um, one thing I thought about, and I'm just really happy that he's doing that in five hectares. That's huge. You know, and he's he's doing that there. Like, you know, Rosella and I talk about our future and, you know, if we're going to have property here or do this, do that. Like, that's definitely, you know, one thing I want to do. Like, just get, you know, some land. And maybe that's a dream to have land, like, near a mountain somewhere, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, that's all the more reason to inspire you more to to really apply those principles and have your own food for us. Like, like you, Joe, you know. So, yeah. That's a dream, right? I mean... If you can move to somewhere near the mountain or in the mountain and then take care of it and then live there, raise your kids there, homeschool them, parang What more can you ask for? Yeah, rebels. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I'll build on again with Albert. I think Albert and I are really in sync in this <laughs> session as compared to the other episodes. But... Uh, Gab also mentioned being 600 meters above sea level. And that's just a nice view of seeing everything. You get to see where the sun sets. You get to see where the Philippine eagle probably perches on its nest. You get to see the croplands. Everything is there. You can never be lost. Because if you're reading the book, the table of contents are right in front of you. And all you have to do is produce through them one by one or just make sure that each zone is very healthy. Um, with that being said, it also builds on what Bernie mentioned about having that bird's eye view. Because 
with those conditions being set before you, you get to apply the principles that you have. But what struck me mostly in the second part of the interview was Scott mentioning that, you know, he just goes belonging, he'd go biking, and he never knew that he'd be taking care of it. But it just really goes to show the grasp of what nature has on us. Because we're already experiencing such a good thing, why let it go or why not develop it further? Because it seems to be a waste that if you have the resources, you have the time to cultivate it, that it will just remain in stasis and not be enjoyed by you, your family, or the community that you're with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anything, like this pandemic has, you know, has people pining for the outdoors, growing their own food. It's really made us realize, or most people at least, realize the the importance of nature and how we relate to it. And, you know, there's actually an increasing interest in permaculture and such other philosophies or, or, or guidelines. So I hope that extends, you know, once all of this is over, the pandemic is um, behind us. I hope that interest in nature extends beyond. I hope we, we keep that in mind and then kind of recalibrate and maybe restructure some of our, our dreams and ambitions. Right? I, I mean, ever since I started learning permaculture, it's really that. Right? You, you get to think about, you know, what's the point of doing this? And, you know, what's, what's the impact of that on nature and everyone else? I don't know. It just simplifies your life somehow. Like you don't have to acquire so much so many things you know there's a limit and then that's where the ethics come in there's a limit to what you need or what you even should want because you know there are other people on the planet that should share in the abundance i'm very happy that since we were locked on march i've only worn one pair of shoes to work (laughs) and you know, what's the point of buying all these shoes when you can't even wear them properly? Or you just cycle these few pairs of shirts and it goes very well. Like when you think about the long run, the long term, you're, if you have kids, you know, your kids and the planet they're living in. Or it doesn't make sense to not care about your impact on, on Earth. That kind of conversation. It's really hard to engage in it because we're all in a system that that requires different things of us you know i think it's the pandemic that allowed people to think of these things like our impact on the planet and but yeah how do you carry that over right how do you make people care again i'm glad that permaculture has that different effect on us when we talk about that Uh, how how has Joe's, um, you know, she's getting into permaculture, not chinkin. How does that um, change your view or perspectives? I mean, we could already tell it, 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 it has, I mean, you know, as a family. But maybe you can specify a few things. I'm extremely proud with what Joanne has gotten herself into. I have no full grasp about it yet, but I get to passively absorb a tidbit or two every now and then. In terms of family dynamics, I don't think much has changed, but 
if indirectly, maybe I can observe that we're eating more healthy, we're more conscious about the things we get, we're more conscious about the needs that we need to address more than the wants. And I don't think those are bad things at all. I mean, common sense would tell us that it's actually a very good way to live. And we're very happy and I'm very proud of her. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm feeling kaligna. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just going back to that question, and it's an important question that not a lot of people actually even have the bandwidth or the just the 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 mindset to even think about right um but i'm curious to because we we've, we've only learned of permaculture through you joe and you you learned it from somebody and they also learned from somebody else and like gab and bernie learned it from other people and they they get to network with you know other like i, I really like it when Miss Bernie mentioned, you know, they exchange seedlings in um, in Mindanao. Like, I mean, Mindanao is so huge. They needed to drive to, to exchange seedlings and exchange their, you know, knowledge about how they're doing in their farms and stuff. Um, I guess for me, I'm I'm curious. Like, how do, would you know how many people are already practicing permaculture in the Philippines, and how what do you think, like? how can we get more people to adapt this philosophy and, and, and way of tending or regenerating um, our, our environment? Well, there's actually a Philippine Permaculture Association hmm. uh, in Luzon, somewhere in Luzon, and they give uh, or they hold permaculture design courses that's the very basic course like it's usually a uh, uh, 72 hour full-time on-site training wow. and then once so so you do like you know the basic tests like soil testing you measure the slope uh, ganyan. so technical stuff and then you also learn about the ethics and the principles I suppose uh, while you're, you know, working on certain areas of the farm where the PDC is. So we have those na in the Philippines. And I, I know there's also one in Antique. So once you do a PDC, you're already a certified permaculture designer, basically. And then you can help other people design their, their gardens or their farms if they don't want to learn it themselves, you know, you collaborate with them and then you share your permaculture knowledge. And then I don't know exactly how many, but there it's definitely growing. Like you can see by the by the chat groups and the Facebook groups that are popping up. Now there's a growing interest, which is very good, you know, because people are planting and for those who are not into ornamentals, they're they're growing their own food and permaculture really it's a really good design framework for for that because it makes gardening a natural extension of how you want to live sustainably or regeneratively 
in the world. That's one of the principles that I like about permaculture is uh, you integrate rather integrate rather than segregate. So for me, uh, when I became a mom, I decided to leave the workforce, right? Because I wanted to focus on the kids. But something permaculture is giving me now, which I really appreciate, is I can do my work, which is now permaculture work, with the kids. So it's integrating those two uh, usually separate things in a woman's life, at least here in our country and most parts of the world. So, so yeah, it's really like, you know, you don't even have to take a course. You just check out the principles and then think about them and you'll have that permaculture mindset and it can help in so many ways. So there's hope. I mean, you know, when... Joe, when you bring up these issues, these issues that I also see that, you know, consumer culture and consumption without paying any mind to what's happening on another part of the globe where the resources were spent to, for you to enjoy a t-shirt or to enjoy this food. Um, if more and more people, if that's the case that these groups of people, especially here in the Philippines are learning the, these principles in, from permaculture, then that's a good sign. Coupled with what you also mentioned about the the quarantines here, everyone is just you know people like you know like like and Chinkin, you know he's simplified his his life. Whether it be the clothes you wear, you know we're all simplifying to some point, you know. And hopefully, maybe there's hope. Maybe that's the silver. Maybe this is what needed to happen. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. Something has to change. So hopefully that's what's happening now. And we're doing a podcast and hopefully listeners are also listening in, whether they're gardeners or not. And they're beginning to start to think about those bigger picture things that really are these bigger picture issues are happening because of what we're doing in in our home. Uh, Homes all across the world, you know, families all across the world. Like what are we doing that's affecting other people? So maybe that's that's it. That's one the key. Okay, so before we go, we'd just like to invite everyone to join us on our Facebook page and group. It's Tanum Tuesdays. And we're also on Instagram with the same handle. And we'd love for you to join us there and ask us questions or leave comments or even request for a guest that you'd like us to interview. We'll be posting more permaculture resources on those platforms as well. Thank you, everyone, and stay safe. Take care. Bye. From Manila, this is Albert. This is Rosal. Keep growing. And from Bacolod, it's Joanne. And Chinkin. Keep planting. Intro music is Siesta by Jazar. <laughs>